Welcome to Earl Stewart on Cars with Earl and Nancy Stewart. Reach them with your questions at 877-960-9960. Here's Earl and Nancy. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Earl Stewart on Cars. This is not a uh, musical show, by the way. I know you're listening to the True Oldies channel, and it's a great channel. I love it myself. It's my kind of music. But what you're listening to now is Earl Stewart on Cars, which is a live radio talk show. That's right. We're right here in the studio while you're listening to us. And by we, I mean a team of auto experts here to answer all your questions about cars. We're a consumer advocacy show. We tell you how to avoid being ripped off by your car dealer when you're buying, leasing, repairing, or maintaining your car. Now, that's it in a nutshell. As I say, no music, although we do have a little surprise for you later on in the show that involves some music. I see how some of you uh, folks out there that love 60s and 70s can identify that with cars. That's going to be a little fun thing we'll do a bit later. But the, the essence of the show is to try to help you avoid that minefield out there. And the minefield is in the car dealership lots all over South Florida. We... Uh, we do this, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because we've got a lot of regular uh, listeners out there that understand that buying a car today, especially in some areas of the country, and South Florida happens to be one of those, is like uh, having a root canal. It's a painful experience. Uh, you're bait and switched. Uh, you're lied to. You're cheated. Um, the servicing and repairing isn't much better. And some of you out there might be incredulous at this. They might say, well, that can't be, especially all you folks out there that are maybe related to car dealers or employed by car dealers or somehow or other indirectly involved in the commerce that car dealerships bring to South Florida, by the way, which is a very positive thing. A lot of people employed by car dealers, and a lot of families depend on the income from car dealerships. So there are advocates of car dealers out there that are probably taking exception to what I'm about to say. So I'm going to give you a little backup. I'm going to give you a little evidence. And you can write this down if you want to. Google it. Google Gallup Annual Poll. You know, the Gallup organization been around for 50, 60 years. They're the most prestigious uh, polling uh, company, I'd say probably in the world, certainly in the United States. The Gallup Annual Poll on Honesty and Ethics in Professions. You can Google this if you don't want to take my word for it. The Google, uh, the Google, the Gallup Annual Poll on Honesty and Ethics in Professions ranks car dealers last in honesty and ethics or very near last. They take all of the professions, not all of them, but all the major professions, probably about 50 of them, and they ask the simple question, how do you rank this profession? Nursing, uh, medical, uh, retail, um, you know, legal, uh, all the different professions, including car dealerships. How do you rank them in terms of honesty and ethics? And there, uh, of the 50 different uh, professions, car dealers have either been last, next to last. The best year I ever remember seeing them, they were third from last. Last year, for the full year 2017, uh, they were next to last. The last was, uh, was it congressman or lobbyist? I think it was lobbyist. And so the last three were politicians, congressmen, and then there was car dealers, and then there were lobbyists. At the top of the list, if you're curious, is nurses. Mm -hmm. People love nurses. They consider nurses to be honest and ethical professions. It's, a lot of people aspire to that. So that's why we're here. And by the way, this poll started in 1977. This isn't a recent uh, occurrence, and they haven't gotten better. You'd think when the poll would come out 
and all the car dealers would see this, this is a national poll, you'd think someone would say, hey, maybe we need to clean up our act. Maybe we should try to be nicer. But they haven't. Uh, at least they haven't gotten nicer. They might have tried. But they're still next to last. So you're, uh, you don't like it when you go into a car dealership. That's the reason we're here. And uh, we've got a uh, team here. We've had a team member missing for a week or two. We had Rick Kearney. He's sitting to my right. Rick Kearney is a certified diagnostic master technician. Uh, we used to call him a mechanic, and we started calling him a technician. Now we call him a computer auto, you know, an auto computer scientist. Uh, uh, he might be out of work one day with uh, electric autonomous cars. I don't know. I might be out of work as a car dealer. Technology is going at such a warp speed. We don't know where we're going to be six months from now. I was watching uh, CNBC the other day, Squawk Box, and they were talking about autonomous cars. They are predicting that autonomous cars will be regularly on the road in five years. It used to be 10 years. And now I heard someone say 18 months. It will be legal in some of the uh, states. So, uh, Rick, you got a hand up? Well, there? I'm, I'm still going to have a job because they're always going to need somebody to maintain and repair those vehicles. It just may be a very different job than what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true, and, and that's what happens with his Rick job. He's, re he's really had to evolve like I have. I call myself a recovering car dealer uh, for a lot of reasons. Rick, Rick is, a, uh, is advancing his technical knowledge at a very fast rate. He's, he's in school half the time, at least it seems to me. And uh, as I say, today when you open the hood up, uh, you don't see anything you can regularly identify. It's a computer. A computer under the hood, and that's what we're all riding on. Not a automobile, not a mechanical device anymore. We're riding on a computer, electronic device. And then I've got Nancy Stewart, who is my co-host, been been doing this with me for all these years. Uh, Nancy kind of uh, assists the the ladies and the men too on the buying and leasing. Uh, the repairing and maintaining is kind of Rick's category, but we jump into and he jumps into the buying and leasing. We're all kind of generalists as well as specialists, and Nancy especially is a advocate for the female buyer, and she's an advocate for females. Period, because one of the things that we find, especially in car dealerships, are a lack of female employees. Uh, women uh, have a trouble and they call it the glass ceiling. They're not paid equally with men. We know this is a problem. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening with ladies' rights today, women's rights, and among them, one of the most serious we identify are the way women are treated when they go in to buy a car, but even more seriously, and probably maybe the reason for this is there are no women employees. I don't mean literally, but less than 10% of uh, females are employed and a car dealership. You walk into a car dealership, you're very lucky to find a woman on the sales force, uh, find a woman in the service department. Uh, they just don't have women employed there. Correct. So. Thank you for that introduction. Well, uh, I'm going to advise our listeners that they can give us a call uh, anytime at all. We're interested in what you have to say. Are you going to tell them about our special for female callers? I will, yes. Okay. Uh, give us a call at 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-772. What is that text number? 772-497-6530. There it is. 772-497-6530. Yeah, and as Earl mentioned uh, just a moment ago, ladies, I have $50 for each one of you. 
new lady callers, the first two. So give us a call. As I said, we love hearing from all of you. You make the show. So give us a call. 877-960-9960-772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. And normally we have Stu Stewart, Earl Stewart III, uh, my son, uh, in the studio with us. We have substituting for Stu, we have Jonathan Cantor, who is a cyber guy. And uh, he's uh, always behind the scenes. He's always part of the show. You just don't see him or hear him normally, and you'll probably hear him today. That's right. Good morning, uh, Earl. He's a, he is really a, a cyber expert, and with technology going so fast, uh, you need a guy like Jonathan around mm-hmm. to help us stay up with the yeah, time. So Definitely. So we tweet, we, uh, we Instagram, we uh, uh, Snapchat, we Facebook, and all of this happens uh, along with the radio signal, and we have video, we have podcasts that are posted. Uh, a source of information that Nancy will give you the details on later is available to you if you miss a show. We have our we have podcasts of all the past shows. We have a place you can access all of our mystery shopping reports, which I've got to tell you about. In fact, I'll tell you about it right now. We have something very unique on this show. So if you're not really interested in how to buy a car without being ripped off by a car dealer, which is something we'll be talking about, giving you some specifics, Maybe you want to be entertained, and the entertainment, at the same time it's informative, is a real, true, in-your-face, undercover mission. And we send a secret shopper into some car dealership every week. Been doing it for 10 years. And we terrorize all the car dealers in South Florida. And you would think that we would have had some sort of an impact uh, and we have, I'm being modest, I think we have had an impact. Uh, I, you know, we've, we've seen uh, changes in their operations. So we're having positive, I get my frustration is our impact is going so slowly. But this undercover agent goes to some car dealership between south to Fort Lauderdale, north to Vero Beach. And we go in there and we pretend to buy or lease a car. Sometimes we pre- pretend to maintain or repair the car. We'll take it in the service part. We don't do enough of that. But... Uh, the biggest damage is really done in buying and leasing. And uh, so we go in and we do exactly what you would do when you go in to buy a car. We find an advertisement. Uh, we go in under uh, some <coughs> incentive that you put out there in the marketplace. Rick? Well, I think one of the biggest impacts that we can claim a little bit of credit for is trying to find a car nowadays with a defective Takata airbag for sale at one of these places. Sure. You're looking for hen's teeth anymore, whereas you used to be yeah. every every lot had 50 of them ready to sell you. Well, I have to say uh, we are proud of that. Uh, we, we have had a definite impact on people being more careful about selling cars with defective to cut airbags. So that is true. And uh, we've, al- we've also had some, some impact on advertising. Uh, the advertising is still terrible, but it's not double terrible like it was 10 years ago. So things are improving a little bit, but not nearly fast enough. And uh, that mystery shopping report will come up in the second half of the show. You'll enjoy it. It's uh, real. We name names. We, we name dealerships. We don't say a dealer in South Florida, and we don't say a salesperson or a sales manager. We give you the name of the dealership. We tell you when we went in. We tell you exactly what we did, and we tell you the exact response. So we don't pull any punches. And if it's illegal, and we've seen some illegal activities, we say so. 
And everyone says to me, I can't believe you do that because you must be, why, why don't they sue you? You say these terrible things. You say uh, dealership ABC ran an illegal ad. That's libel. That's slander. The perfect defense against libel and slander. You attorneys in the audience, I know you're out there listening, waiting for me to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know this. You can't touch me if I tell the truth. Absolutely. The truth is a perfect defense against libel and slander. Nancy, yes. you had a point? Uh, yes. Uh, first, I want to well welcome Jonathan. Thanks, and Nancy. Thank you so much for helping sure. us out My this pleasure. morning. And uh, to the listeners, I want to thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. We so appreciate you, and we will give you the good the bad and the ugly as i always say so you want to stay tuned for the mystery shopping report and the mystery shopping report is from grego mazda grego mazda in delray delray beach and my goodness as earl mentioned earlier uh i'm amazed that uh, there isn't a owner of any of these dealerships that have had such a terrible report by us hasn't met us at the front door right here at 95.9 106.9 fm i mean the truth we're speaking the truth so you want to stay tuned for the mystery shopping report from great mazda of delray beach and ladies again fifty dollars for the first two new lady callers give us a call 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Speaking of text, we just got our first text in. And uh, I'm going to ask you to write that text number down. And I'm going to ask you to write the call-in number down. The text number, get your pencil in hand, write it down, because you're going to have something on your mind later on, and we probably won't send the text number out like we should. So write this down. Text us at 772 497 6530. Again, 772 497 6530. And you can call us at 877 960 9960. Write it down 877 960 9960. We got a text from uh, Victor in West Palm Beach. Now, he could remain anonymous. Victor chose to give us his name. Victor said, I understand that dealers use NADA. That's the National Automobile Dealers Association. I understand that dealers use NADA to find out the wholesale and resale value of a car. Can I, as a consumer, get access to this and use this to better negotiate the selling price? Is there an alternative? That's a very good question. This, this involves insider stuff that most people don't understand. The NADA is not an accurate guide. The, the, the guide that come out is, it's, first of all, it's not up to date. And the NADA numbers are also reflected by what car dealers tell the National Automobile Dealers Association their cars are worth. And <clears throat> there's a form that dealers are asked to fill out. Uh, and they can say, you know, this my uh, 2015 Mazda, uh, whatever, is uh, worth this much money. And uh, that music was not the radio Sorry. station. That was one of our people that forgot to turn their phone off. But at any rate, forget about the NADA wholesale guide. It is misleading. It's not, not only not helpful, but it can, it can guide you wrong. Matter of fact, most of the books... Uh, this you see the wholesale uh, books are not worth what you would pay for them if you had access to them. Mm-hmm. Car dealers still get them. We've, 
<clears throat> excuse me, we've kind of eliminated in my dealership uh, using the books. Uh, we have the online version. The most accurate reported information of wholesale value is the uh, Mannheim auction numbers. Mannheim is the world's largest auto auction. Uh, they're the uh, virtual monopoly in the United States, and their numbers are reported real-time online. In fact, they're actually reported vi video. So the car dealers uh, are able to see an actual car going through the auction block, watch the bidding, see the price, is it is sold or not sold, and these numbers are real-time online. Now that's accurate, and that's the way the car dealers, at least the more progressive car dealers, get their information. And even that is not as accurate as the actual price that a car dealer will pay for your car. I recommend to people that want to know what their car is worth, take the time to go to three different car dealers of your make. If you're driving a Honda, go to three different Honda dealer used car departments. Call the used car department, make an appointment with the used car manager or somebody that appraises cars, say, I want to sell my car. Don't tell them, I, I want an appraisal on my car. They'll say, don't waste my time. But you say, I want to sell my car. Car dealers buy a relatively high percentage of their cars, what we say, we call it over the curb. People come in and want to sell their cars, and car dealers buy them. That's the real price, not the Mannheim price, not the NADA price. There's also the Black Book. There's a Kelly Blue Book. Uh, all the prices are secondary to what someone will really pay you. So you go to three Honda dealers. You go to Ed Morris Honda in this area, and you say, I want to sell my car. I have too, I have too many cars in the family. And... Uh, and then you go to two other Honda dealers and say, and you tell Ed Morris I'm going to sell my car to the high bidder. That'll give you your best price. I'm going to interrupt myself because I think we have a caller. We do. Harriet's calling from West Palm Beach. Welcome to the show, Harriet. Thank you. Thank you. I listen to your program every week because I love it. Thank you. And it's the only time that I'm in my car more than a half hour to drive. Oh, thank I you. I want to tell you, I bought a car two days ago from a lady. She's a woman, but she was a real lady. I went in, I told her what I wanted. She gave me the prices. The word deal was never used. Mm -hmm. Smart. It was the price I can give you. That was it. I called my son in Atlanta. I said, I have a VIN number. Can you check this out? He said, sure. I told him what the numbers were. He said, you're getting an excellent, an excellent price. I said, fine, he's my guru. He's 40 <laughs> years old. <laughs> I'm twice his age. Anyway, I went back. I made the arrangements. I picked up the car yesterday, and I, I, I couldn't believe. It took me years to decide to go to a female dentist or a female doctor. Now I find myself purchasing a car from a female car dealer. Well, congratulations. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. And I highly recommend it. It's a Mercedes, and the woman is a lady. Well, Harriet, that is wonderful. I can, Nancy, I think, has tears in her eyes because uh, <laughs> this is her mission in life to uh, have more of this happen. Would you uh, have a problem with mentioning the, uh, the woman's name and the car dealership? No. Maybe we can drum up Absolutely some business for not. them. This is um, the Mercedes-Benz dealership. It's called New Country Cars. And it's on Okeechobee Road, near Military, and the lady's name is Lori Berger. Okay. She works 14 hours a day, wow. and she is there to make you 
happy, and I could not be more pleased. I'm sitting in my new car now with, with the manual because I didn't have time for her to go over everything that I have in this car that I did not have Wonderful. in my last car. Well, uh, Harry, Unbelievable. Harry, let me, uh, let me have that name again. New Country. I'm not familiar with that dealership. New Country? Um, it's, it's a Mercedes-Benz dealer, but their official name is New Country. Oh, New okay. Country. I know the one. Sure. Yeah, they, I think the same owner has one in North Palm Beach. So they call the dealership, exactly. they call the dealership exactly. New, New Country Mercedes. Right. And I live at Ibis, and I'm much closer to the uh-huh. one on North Lake. But well, I have been going to this dealership for X number of years, and this is the first time I have ever had any kind of an interaction with a woman. Well, you car, dealer, you car dealers listen to that, okay? And half the buyers out there are women. And Harriet would prefer to deal with a woman. And most women probably would prefer to deal with another woman. And I think a, a lot of men would prefer to deal with Absolutely. another woman. Yeah. So yeah. Th- this is a message I know that uh, Nancy's yeah. been pushing for a long time. Yeah. I know you have some comments, honey. I do. Uh, Harriet, this is Nancy Stewart. And uh, I have, a que- I have a question. Uh, sure. What prompted you to decide on a uh, female uh, sales consultant? Um, my service writer, Peter, whom I adore, has just gotten through a long bout of cancer, and he's returned to Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And I said, Peter, I'm thinking of trading in my car. I, want, I, I used to race sports cars in the 60s. I want something that's got a real go, go, go. He said, you're too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I have someone here for you to speak to, and maybe you can relate to her. And I said, her? (laughs) Who's that? And he said, just go speak to her, and you will see. And not once, as I said before, did she use the word deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what sold me on her, because it wasn't like going in and making a deal. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great story, Harriet. Uh, un- unfortunately, I think that the, uh, as far as females are concerned, there's probably about 13 uh, percent that make up sales consultants. And I'm happy that you uh, were, well, feeling comfortable enough to, you know, work with a female uh, sales consultant. And uh, I also want to tell you that you won yourself fifty dollars as the first female caller. And uh, <laughs> it's good to be a female today, right? Not yes, only were you indeed. going into Thomas. the, not only were you going into the Mercedes uh, dealership for how long did you say? How many years? Oh my goodness, that'll tell you how old I am. Okay, well, I was just, to, uh, uh, you know what? I don't think you're afraid to tell your age. Uh, you sound like an independent, strong. Uh, woman who knows what she wants so uh you know okay i'm 77 and i just fortuitously happened to fall into a mercedes in 1979 when i moved to atlanta georgia and i was driving um a lincoln or a cadillac or an american car that said made by fisher fisher motors inside yeah yeah well (laughs) you know probably remembers that as as far as your age is concerned as far as your age is concerned, uh, you and I are in the same ballpark as far as age oh, is good. concerned. And, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's rather uh, unfortunate, me as an advocate for females, uh, our age group seems to 
you know, more or less get taken advantage of uh, because most of the women, most of the women, you know, our age has a husband that may, a significant other that may have passed away. And uh, and, and you certainly don't meet this profile and neither do I, uh, yeah. but these, uh, the females uh, really need a whole lot of help out there. And uh, they go out and they, uh, you know, purchase a vehicle and uh, they go in with uh, not as much knowledge as they should have. So I'll make this short because I certainly can get on my soapbox and go on and on and on. Congratulations as an independent woman and a woman who knows what she wants and you won yourself $50. And if you stay on the line, uh, you can uh, give uh, your contact information where I can send that check out to you. So uh, lovely, thank you. Would you would you like to share any other comments with a recovering car dealer? Uh, no, but I think that any woman who is interested in buying a car should check, as Earl said, um, Kelly's Blue Book or the Black Book or Edmonds. Yeah, um, well, consume- any number of sources, mm-hmm. or even go to a couple dealerships and just get the numbers and go home and go over the numbers with someone. I have two sons. Um, and my husband is, drives a Corvette, and he's on, on the golf course or, or working, whatever he can manage. We see each other for dinner. But I called my sons, and I asked them to please go over these numbers with me, or I would ask my next-door neighbor, who is a male, um, what he thinks, or, or any, any friend, a cousin, um, Correct. Anybody that you can rely on who has mm-hmm. more knowledge in cars. Yeah, that's great advice, and uh, knowledge is power. And, uh, well, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. Thank you so much for calling uh, Earl Stewart and Cars, and thank you for listening. And uh, spread thank the you. word. Spread the word. Oh, I shall. <laughs> Indeed. And, uh, and you enjoy that uh, new vehicle. Thank you very much. Okay, stay on, the, stay on the line and give your information for me. Indeed. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, what a great call. Yeah. That's a great call. Yeah, she said something that, that I've been pondering for a long time. I've never liked uh, the word car dealer, actually dealer. Never liked the word deal. And that's that's what uh, car dealers are called. And, and a lot of reasons is because of what, what most car dealers do. A deal is a haggle, it's a hassle. And when you go in to buy a loaf of bread, you're not looking for a deal. You don't want a deal. You yeah. want to buy. And car dealers uh, should sell their cars for a price that they clearly and transparently disclose, and they don't. And I've often wondered why uh, why we call ourselves car dealers. Why don't we call ourselves car retailers, uh, sellers? Right, resellers. Yeah. I, I think, uh, how do you folks out there, Harriet really is the first person that said to me, like, I, I, he never used the word deal, yeah. Hit on and, a and that made her feel better. Yeah, and, sensitive. And why do we topic. use the word? We call ourselves, right. you know, yeah. and you know, we'll advertise. Come in for a good deal, right? Well, or, yeah. or the, the the word dealer reminds one of a, like a poker dealer, yeah. You know, which yeah. a, a card game. Yeah. You know, Great exactly. example. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Negative so, connotation. So I'm not. I don't have to negotiate when I go into Publix for a loaf of bread, right? No. You can try, but they'll laugh at you. Ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for joining us this Saturday morning. And uh, you are an important part of the show, so give us a call toll-free, 877-960-9960. Or you can can text us at 772-497-6530.
I'll give it back to, to Earl. And I know we have an audience out there of auto industry people. We have manufacturer folks. We have. Uh, I'm always amazed because people will casually drop the fact that they heard my radio show. And they're from all over the wholesale and retail end of the auto spectrum. Listen to what Harriet said, our caller. She felt more comfortable dealing with a woman. I mean, I mean that's like a duh. That's a no-brainer. If you're a woman, you probably feel more comfortable exchanging ideas, thoughts, uh, discussing things with other women. Not to say you don't like to talk to men, but you feel more comfortable. So I think uh, you, heads up to the auto industry, hire more women. Absolutely. Especially in your sales force, especially in your service department. Great information. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a caller, and it's Meg, who's calling from Wellington. Welcome to the show, Meg. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I uh, I called before, so I will admit I'm not a first-time caller, but love listening to the show. Oh, thank I, you, Mike. My husband and I are looking to get our teenage son, he's 18, uh, a car. And we want to get a safe car, but and we usually go with something like a, a Toyota, which we've had in the past, or a Honda as such, but that one that's older in years, but still safe. My concern is still the airbags. I was listening to you one time before, and the concern is as the car ages that the airbags are no longer safe. Well, so this, this is, is a, my concern. Do I go with a car, you know, that's not a Toyota or a Honda, has a lot less miles on it, but then it's you know, out of our reach as far as cost at, at times. Your thoughts? That's a very valid concern, Meg, and I, I wish more people were aware of this. Unfortunately, most aren't, and um, our legislators, the media, uh, the auto manufacturers and dealers have done a terrible job about making this very, very important thing uh, public. And you hit it on the head. The older a Takata airbag is, the more dangerous it is. Uh, the Takata airbag is inflated by uh, a substance called uh, ammonium nitrate. Yep. Ammonium nitrate is okay when you first put it in the inflator, which triggers the airbag to inflate, but it degrades over time, especially in high temperature and high humidity areas like Florida. So it's especially important in Florida or Arizona or California, wherever you have high temperatures and high humidity, uh, to check any airbag that you have when you buy a car. First of all, it might not be a Takata. Most of them are Takata airbags, but some are not Takata. Takata is the only one that we know of now that has a problem. And if you have a Takata airbag that's four or five years old, then it's a it's a time bomb. It's, it's getting ready to go off. Not just when you have an impact, when you have an accident, but Takata airbags have been shown to go off independently without being in an accident, which is really terrifying. So the simplest and best thing to do is do a triple check when you select that car for your 18-year-old son. Uh, you've got the VIN number, and you can check it three different ways, and you should because each, each of these can be misleading. Uh, the, the most accurate and reliable would be the National Highway Traffic Safety Association website. And that website, and Meg, you can write this down if you want to, is safercar.org, I'm sorry, .gov www.safercar.gov, G-O-V, S-A-F-E-R, 
car.gov. Now, that will you put the VIN number in, it will tell you immediately if it has a Takata airbag, if it's a defective airbag, if it has been repaired, or if it's a defective airbag and it hasn't been repaired, is there an inflator available? The real the real danger is to find out you bought a car that has a defective airbag and the inflator, the part, is not available from the manufacturer. So now you've got a time bomb and you can't fix it. So you want, to, you want to do that safercar.gov. Then you can also check with Carfax. Every car dealer should offer you a Carfax report, C-A-R-F-A-X, computer report. That Carfax report should also tell you whether or not this car has a defective airbag. But it's, we found it in our mystery shopping reports to be misleading about 30% of the time. So it, but the safercar.gov is very good. The, the most reliable source is to talk to, call the service department. It's the make a car you buy. Let's say you're going to buy a Ford. You call a Ford dealership. You have a VIN number. You ask to speak to the service department. You give them the VIN number. Say, please tell me if this VIN and this Ford has a Takata airbag that is defective. And they can give you probably the most timely information because the car manufacturer's computer is even more timely than Carfax or safercar.gov. Okay. All right. Well, that's helpful. You know, it's um, it's it's frightening to think that I could put my son behind a a car that's really not safe. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, here's another source of information is Consumer Reports. Uh, my my blog this week was on don't buy a car without Consumer Reports. Uh, Consumer Reports will really give you used car. In fact, the annual auto issue, it happens to be the April issue. The uh, You can buy it on the newsstands now. You can do, access it online. Consumer Reports annual auto issue has a list of used cars, the safest and the unsafest, the, the, the 10 most recommended used cars, and the 10 don't buy these cars, the worst cars. A uh, plethora of information okay. about safety, insurance cost, and uh, a number of other things. So safety, I'm so, uh, I'm so glad you're thinking about this with your 18-year-old, and uh, and every parent should think about this before they buy a car. Well, the other thing is, is our 20-year-old son is driving a, a car that is 10 years old. You know, but we bought it because it was um, a safe car. But uh, now that it has 100,000 miles on it, it concerns me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concern, but that, uh, as Earl said, the uh, that Consumer Report, uh, uh, it, it's amazing, this uh, April edition that came out. They've got all the recall and safety updates. Uh, they have the best new cars. Uh, they uh, rate over 255 uh, vehicles in this edition, so it's really worth uh, picking up, and uh, you'll find all your answers right there in Consumer right. Report. Earl and I do not uh, purchase uh, anything. A toaster. Don't uh, buy a toaster. Uh, without uh, Consumer Report, and I have my own uh, Consumer Report subscription that comes into the house, and he has his own because we end up fighting over it. So uh, <laughs> you can you can pick that up, uh, Meg, and uh, like I said, uh, your concerns are valid for your, uh, you know, your your sons. Yes. Uh, well, you've convinced me to actually come and just shop with you all because I was telling my husband that I listened to your show on the way in, and uh, he says, gosh, I'm so glad that you're listening to that and, you know, 
getting information. So he says, you know, he listens, here's your commercial. And he says, he seems like a really nice, reputable man. And I said, yes, and the show is so informative. And uh, so I think you've just convinced us that we need to just come in and chop with you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Meg. Thank you very much, and uh, what a great call. And I'm encouraging the uh, the women to call. So uh, spread the word. Earl Stewart on Cars, uh, Saturday mornings from 8 until 10, Meg. And uh, we definitely, again, appreciate your call this morning. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, give us a call toll-free. Uh, we have... Uh, we have a whole lot going on this morning. We've got a mystery shopping report that is amazing. So you want to stay tuned for that. And uh, we have uh, Jonathan is going to be joining in and Rick. And it's going to be an exciting, uh, I guess maybe we have uh, an hour and a half left. So uh, we're going to have a lot of surprises. That's right. So uh, thank you. Uh, Jonathan's sitting here in his green That's right. shirt. He is <laughs> celebrating St. Patrick's Day. That's right, from I the like House of uh, O'Canter. <laughs> <laughs> I like this shirt. Thanks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so give us a call, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, Tina's calling. Our, call, our, our show wouldn't be complete without Tina. She's calling from uh, Bonita Springs. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Tina. Hi, everybody. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, good One morning, One of my Tina. favorite boy names, by good. the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, yeah. I always tell my mother, I said, if I ever have a little boy, Jonathan is going to be the name. So, but that <laughs> oh, hasn't great. happened. That's okay. Yeah, that's a nice name. But pleasure to meet you. Thanks to meet you. Same here. So what's going on okay, this morning, so Tina? I, yes. Mm-hmm. I found something really cool on YouTube. There's this guy. He's kind of like a car nerd or an engineering nerd. And his channel is called Engineering Explained. Hmm. And he went through the CVT transmission of the Toyota and why it's so good because there is a separate gear for when the car starts from a complete stop. And when that gear completes its job, it drops out of sight, and then the rest of the CVT operates normally. So he says it's actually very efficient, and it's actually probably one of the best CVT transmissions out there. Hmm. Great information. So Rick, if you're Rick, mm -hmm. jump in there. I don't so know. So if anybody, how oh, they like that, right? <laughs> okay, um, Tina. Just to to give a quick uh, kind of a definition for a lot of folks out there that really have no clue what a CVT transmission is, it's actually a continuously variable transmission. Uh, um, everybody knows that when you when you get in your car and you step on the gas and it starts going forwards the car will shift gears and you'll feel it rev up and then boom, drop into another gear and then rev up and then boom, drop into another gear. The problem is that that range of time that the engine is revving up from say 1000 RPMs to 3500 RPMs, that range, the engine's not really efficient in that whole range. The most efficient time is a very small window around 2000 to 2500 RPMs for most engines. So a continuously variable transmission actually stays in that power band and doesn't really have gears. And Tina, I think we, he, Rick knows you understand this, and the reason I said something is because I think our listeners did. So right. Like, so once he explains that, then I, I, I know you'll make your point. It, it's almost like, a, uh, like being, stepping on the gas on a golf cart. You never feel it shift gears, 
and yet the car will continue accelerating and they are so much more efficient than a normal transmission that you see great power increases along with increases in fuel economy and decreases in emissions. So they're really great transmissions, but it's something that it took a little while for the engineers to figure out how to make them work properly. Do you think that the traditional automatic transmission that does change, that has a planetary planetary gear system, do you think that's pretty much going to go the way of the Dodo Bird? Absolutely. Especially yeah. since, well, they're already going that way, especially since mm-hmm. electric cars, which seem to be the wave of the future, and electric cars use electric motors and don't use really any sort of transmission except a CVT. Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting. And, you know, in the beginning when the Honda Insight came out and when the Prius came out, a lot of people were really downing those cars because they weren't so quick off the line. Now, they're not meant to be race cars, but that's improved, too. The acceleration from 0 to 60 is also improved Yep. over time. And we're seeing other improvements, too. That, like I, I keep going on about emissions and fuel economy, and that's one of the most important things. But, of course, you know, you've got to make an, a car, even an electric car, has got to be efficient with its power source because that's, you know, that's what gets you around. So a car that can make exactly. the most efficient use of that electrical battery is going to be the winner in the long run, in my opinion. Now, okay. there's... There's and a reason why all those muscle cars aren't out there anymore. Yeah, well, I'm not really into those. They look pretty, but that's about it. I'm yep. not, you know. And the fuel and the fuel economy in a muscle car, well, it's, what, 19 miles to the gallon if you're fortunate? No, thank you. It looks pretty, but no. <laughs> uh, try more like nine on some of them. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's even worse. Yep. That, that's even worse. Yeah. Uh, okay, and another question I have, uh, onboard diagnostics. Onboard diagnostics, one, we've had that in older cars. Onboard onboard diagnostics, two, is there an onboard diagnostics, three, that's come out yet? Technically, OBD3 has not really come out because the the second version, the OBD2, has been pretty much bulletproof, and they've been able to keep expanding it to where they haven't had to redesign a whole new system. The original OBD, onboard diagnostic system, was for the very first electronic systems on cars, and that started in the 80s and pretty much was phased out by about 91 to 92 when OBD2 came out. Hey, can I jump in here because I'm Mm. stupid, and I'm sitting here listening to two (laughs) auto engineers, (laughs) and unfortunately about 99% of our audience has no idea what either one of them are talking about. I am so guilty of that. So so, uh, what I want to know is... uh, OBD1, uh, was that when you smelled smoke, that means you had a problem? And then <laughs> and OBD2, and OBD2 was when the fire came out. No, I'm joking here, but, yep. but onboard diagnostic, I, what I know now is that there's, there are indicator lights that tell you, which I've always thought was stupid, that when your check engine light comes on, you've got to bring it in, and there's about 150 different things that can be wrong, but they don't tell you anything about that. It can be your gas cap is loose, or it can be that you have a serious problem that your engine could be in danger of exploding. So I was hoping that there'd be an OBDD, OBD, 
T, uh, excuse me, OBD, they would say, your gas cap is loose. And yeah. then, then one would say, pull over to the side of the road immediately and call the fire department because right. you're about ready to have your engine. Right. That would be a great one. So there should be some sort of a you specific know what? In indicator. In a perfect world. Yes. I was like, in, in a perfect world, that's how it would be. You should, you should design the next onboard diagnostic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it should be your job. Well, the interesting <laughs> part... <laughs> The interesting part is, as I mentioned, how, how OBD2 has been evolving over the years. When, when OBD1 first came out, that's when we first got that check engine light. Before that, we didn't even have mm-hmm. it because yes. there, there was no need for that light. Well, OBD2, and on the original OBD1, you had to actually jump wires in order to figure out what the code and what it was trying to tell you, and there were only a handful of codes. So this is mainly an aid to the technician, not to the customer. Right. Yeah. All the customer knows is i got a red light, and I'm scared to death. Please help me. And then they come running into a car dealership, and then they lie to them and say they know their gas cap is loose, but they sell them a $600 repair, yep, right. and they're never the wiser. So is OBD3, is that... What benefits the customer, the person driving the car, or is it just something that makes easier for the technician to diagnose the well, problem? Well, here's here's the new here's the new side of it. The latest evolutions for OBD2 actually have it to where your car can send you a text message on your phone now we're saying That's there great. You check your gas cap. That's handy. Saying you may That's have awesome. this issue. You have this code. And it also sends that information not only to you but to your dealership as well, the dealership you have selected. So if your car has an issue, that dealership can suddenly call you and say, hey, you know, we're seeing this code signing up on your car. There may be an issue that you need to come see us. Or they could simply call and say, hey, you know, we've seen this code. Check your gas cap and make sure you didn't accidentally leave the gas cap off or forget to tighten it all well, the way. Well, the car dealers must not like that because they can't sell somebody new brakes exactly. when they don't need them anymore. Yeah, that's right. It's gonna, exactly. it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it's the evolution of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tina, I really love this uh, YouTube site that you brought our uh, audience's attention to, Engineering Explained. It's got great graphics, mm-hmm. and it really explains very complex <coughs> automotive uh, uh, issues in a very simplistic way. So really, thanks again. I know you've brought uh, this oh. Audience, no uh, uh, several different YouTube sites yeah. to to their atten- to our attention. Very so weird. really appreciate you uh, you know out there, oh, s- thank uh, you. S- you know uh, scoping out the YouTube videos for for our audience. So it's a great site, uh, Engineering Explained. There's if people want to know, uh, you know how complex uh, automotive uh, processes uh, work with some great graphics. Maybe we won't need Rick anymore. We could just use <laughs> Engineering Explained. I'll, I'm only kidding, Rick. Oh. Only that's kidding. that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, as far as the date that OBD1 kind of went out, I used to have a 19... Oh, I love this car. It almost makes me sad to talk about it. But I had a 19, 1995 Miata for 18 years. I actually wore the steering wheel out on that car. That's how long I had it. Wow. But it was OBD1. And one of the reasons why that particular generation was so desirable was because there's like a whole legion of people that like to modify those cars. And it was actually easier to put a turbo on that car than it was to put a turbo on an OBD2 because there was less tuning. You can pretty much plug and play with it. So I never did that, though, because I had a le- I have a lead foot anyway. It's the last thing I need is more power. <laughs> oh, really? I love that Miata. I really yeah. love oh, that. Oh, nice I, I, I would, if, if I ever save up enough money, I want a second one. But the problem is with that generation of Miata, if they're in good shape, 
they're getting to be worth more money now. They're getting getting to be worth like between five and seven thousand dollars. And I think in the next couple of years, you won't be able to find a good one for less than ten thousand. They really are appreciating in value. Yeah, exactly. It's just like the uh, Celica that I enjoyed uh, driving. You know, the oh, convertible. those are great too. And you have a uh, you know the Solera. There's a lot of uh, cars out there that are really worth a whole lot of money because you can't. Uh, they don't make them anymore. Uh, Tina. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for the phone call. We enjoy oh, talking you. to you. And uh, you always uh, give us so much information. So uh, spread the word on us. and uh, Oh, I certainly will. Give us a call again. Thank you, guys. Have a great Thank morning. Thank you, Tina. Thanks Thank for you. calling in. Have a great weekend. Uh, give us a call toll-free at uh, 877-960-9960. Or you can give us a call. Uh, you can text us at 772-497-6530. Ah, we finally have a man calling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an interesting morning with three ladies. Welcome to the show, Howard. Howard is one of our regular callers. How you doing? Fine, thank you. Good morning. Good how, morning, How are Howard. you doing, by the way? Well, we're great. Well, a wonderful day today. It is. You gave a lot of... You gave a lot of information, and I really appreciate it. And uh, I have a, a very important uh, question to ask you. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Hear yes. you loud and clear, Howard. Okay, good. All right. A friend of mine who's, by the way, listening, uh, has a 2006 Acura. He has a, a lot of mileage on it. I think it's uh, 250000 or this something like it. And... Uh, he has a, two problems. Problem number one, uh, he has a parasitic drain, and if he doesn't drive the car at least every other day, it doesn't start. That's one problem. Okay. Next problem, I'm questioning the airbag. Uh, the 2006 Acura, I believe, has a uh, Takata airbag. Is that correct? Probably does, I would say. Uh, Rick's checking it right now, but most uh, Hondas have the Takata. Yeah, Acura, I would say you're probably about a 95% chance that it's got the Takata airbag. But I'm double-checking on the Safer. I'm I'm actually going right now to www.safercar.gov. And this is the site that the NHTSA uses. This tells them what cars are listed under this recall. And I'm seeing, let's see... Uh, do you know what model of Acura it is? Yeah, well, he'll, tell, he'll get on the phone and tell. What model? Uh, he's here, by the way. So, okay. So uh, I'm going to put him on the phone. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a 2006. Uh-huh. It's a 2006 Acura TL. TL. Okay. okay. Uh, according to this, now this is www.safercar.gov. The Acura TL... The 2002 to 2003 Acura 3.2 TL and the 2009 to 2014 Acura TL are both listed. The 06 Acura TL is not on this list right now. However, that's not to mean that it may not show up there within the next few months or something. So it's something you're going to want to check that website every so often just to be sure of what's going on. Make sure your car doesn't suddenly show up on there. Okay, could you say that uh, website again? I'll write it down. Yep. It is www.safercar.gov. Uh-huh. 
www.ghanem.gov. Okay. Um, that's great. <clears throat> and then the, uh, the parasitic um, drain that Howard mentioned, it's happened yep. twice to me with new batteries. If I didn't drive the car for a, cup, for a week or 10 days, the, the battery was totally dead. Right. Said that the cell went bad um, and uh, wouldn't replace the battery because it was totally drained. Uh, I have no idea why the battery would, you know, go dead, especially on a year-old battery. Um, it just happened a, a month ago on a year-old battery. Right. Well, uh, basically what's happening is when you turn your car off, most of the systems, 95% of the electrical systems are supposed to shut off. But there are a couple of systems that are going to keep drawing just little bits of power just to keep alive the memory for the computer, the radio, and a couple other systems that you might have active. What happens is sometimes a relay may get stuck on, there may be a short circuit somewhere, and a system doesn't shut all the way down. So it's still drawing electrical power, and it's more than that battery can handle when it's sitting still for a length of time like that. Now, what's going to have to happen is you're, you'll have to get it to a mechanic, and he'll have to actually hook up an ammeter in line to read the current draw across that battery. And if it's be above a certain specification, then he's going to actually have to start pulling fuses until he determines which circuit is still pulling power when it shouldn't be. It's a process that can take a, several hours to figure out what's going on and, and why one system is staying operative. Uh, operative when it shouldn't so it's something you're going to want to find a, a a good mechanic that you can trust and get a basic uh can i ask a question rick, from him at the beginning rick there's, sure. no, there's no diagnostic uh, information in other words this sounds like a, a, a an old-fashioned way to uh, solve the problem yeah you think with all the computers we have in cars now even on a 2006 acura there would be something you could plug into the diagnostic that would say you've got a drain here, you've got a drain there. I mean, well, unfortunately, I wish it existed yeah. because it'd make my job a lot easier. When you said several hours, you got my attention because car dealers are talking the labor rates now are around a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. So you're you're saying this? I you, you might be better off just to go out and buy a bunch of batteries because you're. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that myself. You're gonna you're, you're gonna go in there and the guy's gonna give you five hundred dollars and he might say I can't find it. I'm sorry, or 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 he might. He might have the wrong one. He might uh, say, I think I fixed it, but I can't be sure. Um, I, I have a question for Rick. Uh, can't you just go out and uh, purchase a parasitic drain tester? Uh, is it that difficult for the consumer to do that on their on their car? Uh, this is this is something the average person is not going to want to try to do as a shade tree thing. Uh -huh. Because basically what you've got to do is eliminate all the circuits that are not drawing power until <coughs> you find the one that is continuing to stay on and draw electricity f yeah. through that system. Yeah. Mm. I noticed that you can go to Amazon and uh, you can uh, pick yourself up the Well, they parasite. they have little testers yeah. but they don't they don't the narrow one it down here, for I'll you. I'll make a recommendation. I would I would uh, take it to a service area, uh, ideally a Honda dealer. But if you have a good reliable technician somewhere that you know, take it to a reliable technician somewhere and State your problem up front and get an estimate of what it's going to take. And if they give you an estimate, they're required by Florida law to stay within 10% of that estimate. Uh, do not uh, 
give them a blank check, which is what you do when you say, see if you can figure out what's wrong here, because there will be a diagnostic charge. You might even find out, if, can you find out, can you di do a diagnosis for me at no charge? They'll probably say no, but you never know till you ask. But it scares me to death what Rick said, that it could, it could take several hours, because you're going to be paying, you, you could be paying $1,000 to find out uh, what this leak is, and I that would sound crazy to me. Uh, I'd shop around, and if someone says, I'll check this for you for 100 bucks, that sounds to me like a bargain. And then say, okay, I'll pay the 100 bucks, but if you don't fix it, then I'm not going to pay you the 100 bucks. I'll pay you the 100 bucks to find out what's wrong, but that's got to include fixing it. That would be my advice. Okay. I'm wondering if, if I've also had a, a, a very unusual problem. About a year ago, I had left my car at a parking lot when I flew out. And when I came back, I could not shift the car. The, the shifting lever would not move. Hmm. So the parking lot attendant opened a, a little uh, dot near this thing and depressed the lever. And I was able to shift the car and get it home. I brought it to my mechanic. Uh, at the same time, by the way, the horn didn't work. And, hmm. uh, and I can't remember one other thing didn't work in the car. And it turned out that he found out that it was a fuse that controlled both the horn, another part of the car, and the shifting mechanism. He replaced the fuse, and it worked fine. And then a year later, I encountered the same problem. The same fuse went out. Do you? Th First, I'm wondering if that's a very unusual problem. And second, I'm wondering if maybe that fuse could be the issue with the battery? Uh, well, right off the bat... The moment someone says that they fixed a car by replacing a fuse, it throws a red flag up in my vision like you wouldn't believe because a fuse is simply a little piece of wire that is designed to protect the electrical circuit so that, say, if a, if a light bulb or, or the horn or something were to short out and draw too much electric current, that fuse is supposed to burn out in order to protect the wiring system from getting too much power through it and overheating and burning up. So a fuse never ever will cause a problem because the fuse is simply the safety circuit. Something else happened that caused that fuse to blow. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a layman here, Rick, so if a fuse b burned out, there's a function in the vehicle that will no longer perform. What, what, if a, what if you had a defective fuse that burned out to protect a device and the fuse burned out and the device wasn't working? If you replaced the fuse with a good fuse and the device worked, then everything would work, right? Mm, I, f I find that to be a one in a billion situation because fuses, like I say, all it is is just a simple piece of wire. Well, my TV that. set goes off. And I go out right. in the garage, and I see the circuit breaker flipped, and I turn it back on, and my TV set goes back on. My TV set's working because there was no electricity getting to the TV set. But why did the circuit breaker trip is my uh, question. It's a defective circuit yeah. breaker, so I replaced well, it with a good one. All right, but a circuit breaker is a, is a mechanical device. A fuse well, is just a simple piece of wire. Well, they're defective fuses just, just like they're defective circuit breakers. No, they're not. Oh, Fuses, fuses don't work that way. Well, you if a fuse burned out... It burned out for a reason. Mm -hmm. And there is some problem in that car that caused that fuse to blow. Okay. That's, that's let's not, let's not argue on the air here. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's just go with uh, what um, our suggestion is and see if you can get a bid on replacing, 
on, on, on fixing that uh, situation with your parasitic drain Think on the that battery. The, the fact that the fuse burned out, uh, and then it worked perfectly, the, the shift worked perfectly for a year, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the fuse burned out again. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering whether or not, if, if, as you say, the reason the fuse burned out is because there was too much you know, electricity or whatever uh-huh. on, on the particular, that particular function, yeah. could that be the drain that's well, it's possi- causing It's the- possible that they put the wrong fuse in. I suppose if you, ha- you, have, a, you have to have a certain a fuse of a certain size that will, that will burn out at a certain uh, uh, spike in electricity, and if you put in too heavy a fuse or too light a fuse, that could be a problem there. Yeah, I, it worked, though, for a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfectly fine. Yeah. I would say you've got some component in that car that has an intermittent issue, and when when everything is just right, that component is causing that fuse to blow. And yes, that could definitely be the component that is causing that amperage draw, that parasitic draw. Uh, I've seen such simple things as a, a water leak, a tiny, tiny little water leak getting past a seal or past a windshield, and that little bit of water gets into some circuits, and that can intermittently cause a fuse to blow or cause that part to go bad, but it only acts up just very seldom once in a while. Here, I've, got the, I've got the solution to the problem, and we've got other callers uh, we've got to get to. Uh, I'm going to make you a special offer. You bring your car in. It's a little bit of a drive from Martin County. Bring it in to my dealership, and we will take a look at it. We'll diagnose it at no charge, and we will tell you the problem, and uh, and we'll give you a price if we have to do a repair on it. But uh, because you've got, got such an interesting, complicated problem, uh, I'd like to make this a, uh, a project. And uh, can you do that? I can certainly do that. Thank you. What okay. is your fir- What is your first name? Sai. Oh, you're Sai. Okay. Well, I have to take a minute and say that you got a great friend because I, uh, I think Howard called last week about a friend. I don't know whether you're the same person or not. Uh, I may be, but Howard is right here with me. So, yes, uh, that's right. I will. I'm here. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was just telling Sai that uh, he has a great friend, Howard. Uh, because uh, you called last week and you were uh, talking about, you know, some problems with a vehicle. I wasn't sure whether it was the Acura or not. But, it was uh, the Acura. It was the Acura. Howard, I want to take a moment and thank you for listening to Earl Stewart on Cars and uh, uh, bringing your friend in on all I'm gonna of this. Bring, I'm going to bring him in. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to force him in. <laughs> I'm, I'm grabbing him and putting him in my car. As long as the fuse doesn't blow before I get there. Nah, he's just, there you he's go. driving a Toyota. Toyota's yeah. no problem. There you go. You guys duke it out. Hey, listen, thanks for calling and thanks for listening, Howard and Cy. And uh, look forward so to uh, seeing you at the dealership. We'll take okay. we'll take a look at that parasitic yeah. uh, drain problem. Okie doke. Bye. All right. A uh, right. couple of great uh, calls. Uh, Give us a call toll-free uh, if you'd like to share any of your stories of, uh, you know, your uh, your uh, engine, uh, sales, lease, whatever, 772-497-6530. That is our text number. And you can uh, give us a call at 877-960-9960, and uh, you can talk to any one of us. We are going to go to John, who's calling from Palm City, and he's a regular caller also. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. Uh, my comment is last week's shopping report. Public Traded Corporation, Auto Nation. Thanks to this show and the exposure, 
of dealershopping to them. That's three strikes if anybody's keeping score. Our first strike, we exposed them that they one time they didn't have a dealer fee. We pointed out later on that they changed the policy and had a dealer fee. Second thing is selling cars. At one time, they wouldn't sell cars that had recalls on it. Thanks to this show, we showed that they are and were selling cars that had recalls. And now, thanks to last week, and outright misleading ads and fooling the public. This is really a shame because this is similar to like the Wells Fargo situation. Yes. A mm. public corporation, publicly traded stock, and they put profit and stockholders first beyond anything else. At one time, they had good policies. It was a well-organized dealership, number one in the United States. And now, as I say, there's three full strikes against this dealership, and I don't know what it takes to have them shape up, whether it's uh, Michael Jackson, the CEO, whatever it takes, but maybe stockholders themselves or the public can uh, file a complaint and maybe they can turn them around. But it's a shame, and thanks to this show, they exposed the dealership. Thank you, John. Just for the record, what we exposed last week was the fact that they did not even disclose, by Florida law, you're supposed to disclose your dealer fee when you advertise a price on a car. And they did not even disclose a dealer fee in the fine print. Fine print is a terribly inadequate way to disclose anything. It's not a disclosure at all. And they didn't even go bother to put their their dealer fee in the fine print. And when our shopper went in, they added their dealer fee, which is a direct violation of Florida law, and I accused AutoNation of breaking the law, uh, committing an illegal act. I uh, haven't got served with any papers yet from AutoNation about uh, sued for libel or slander, so I guess maybe I'm telling the truth. Well, we sure hope that they change their policy. Yes. And a large corporation like that, it, it dealing with the public, it's just a shame that so many violations exist with them. And, and to be specific, there's 250-plus AutoNation stores. The store we're talking about was AutoNation Chevrolet in Greenacres, and I don't want to accuse all 250 AutoNation stores of committing illegal acts, but the TV advertisement for AutoNation Chevrolet in Lake Greenacres, Lake Worth area, uh, was an illegal advertisement. Uh, you're correct, but I want to ask you another question, a second thing, too. Uh, these cars that exist with uh, Takata bag recalls, that they can't get the parts, and we know it's probably never going to be, there's nobody ever going to make them. Do you ever visualize a campaign similar to something like cash for clunkers, that dealers or corporations will buy up these recall cars? That's I mean, a tremendous idea. Do you think that anything like that is possible? That's I don't a know great what idea. they would do with it. Maybe they were able to fix them, or another company would... would uh, you know, supply the parts that it needed. But yeah. it's a very serious problem because there's many cars out there, and I'm sure you're holding some of them, that will never, never be repaired. Yeah, we have we have over 100 cars uh, frozen there. It's uh, very expensive for me. The cars are depreciating, but we keep them in a storage lot, and we don't sell them. Uh, most car dealers are selling. In fact, all car dealers, as far as I know, I don't know anyone that's holding the cars. Oh, as you said earlier, John, AutoNation used to hold these cars, and then they just started uh, wholesaling them. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I like your cash for clunkers idea. Unfortunately, that would require political courage, and we have no political courage anywhere in the United States. 
days today. Yeah. Uh, both parties are are uh, out for one thing, which is to get uh, say things that will get them reelected to their base. Democrats, independents, Republicans. There's no one out there that really cares about the consumer. And I won't say there's no one. There are probably a few honest politicians. Are the problem with an honest politician is they won't get elected, reelected, and uh, survival is the most important instinct we have. Man needs to survive. That's that's embedded in our brains and we do anything to survive. Politicians will do anything to survive, which means reelected. And if they came out against the auto manufacturers and the auto dealers and said, we're gonna have a cash for clunkers campaign, bring your car in with a defective airbag that cannot be repaired because the inflator's not available and scrap it, we'll reimburse you, basically, to buy another car, which is what the Cash for Clunkers program was. Uh, that would solve the problem, and it's a great idea, but as I say, our politicians, the vast majority of our politicians on both sides of the aisle haven't got the courage to do that. That's true. The, problem, the politicians won't admit that this exists in the same way many of the dealers they avoid the problem whatsoever. They don't want to talk about it. Actually, cover it up they don't to want the to talk public that they're selling these cars. Yeah, you get you get something like this bridge falling down in Miami, and who can who can criticize a politician for railing about the bridge? We'll go after the builder of the bridge. Terrible, terrible thing they did. Anything they know they have strong support from their core primarily and from everybody, they'll go out after. But when they have something like it's going to be attack on car dealers or car manufacturers, the the lobbying effort is so strong they can't afford to do it. It's like the NRA, you know, uh, the gun control. Uh, no one's going to go after the NRA, and if they do, they don't get reelected. And nobody's going to go after the auto manufacturers. They're the car dealers, or else they won't get reelected. Right. I'm going to hang up, and I'm anxious to hear the shopping report. Thanks so much, Have a John. Good day. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you for uh, listening to Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, if listeners want to see the YouTube video on AutoNation uh, Chevrolet Mystery Shop, uh, you can go to youtube.com slash Earl on Cars. Uh, if you uh, would like to share one of your stories with us, we'd love to talk with you. Uh, the number is 877-960-9960, or you can text us if you're a little shy at 772-497-6530. And I see where we have a couple of texts. Got a lot of texts. So they're backing up on us here. I apologize for not getting to them sooner. <laughs> is that right? Here we've got one. Um, ladies, the text is, uh, no, that's from Tina. Yeah, I guess that is from Tina. No, right, yeah. that was Tina. That was Tina, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tina, ladies should regard buying a car like going into mediation with their ex-husband. If you do not get the deal you want, consider it a no-agreement-reach situation and walk out. I like that. Well, Tina, okay. that is certainly uh, something different. That's right. <laughs> That's a different approach. Divorce, divorce your car dealer. <laughs> quotes from Chair Lady <laughs> Tina. Consider buying a car like going into mediation with their ex-husband. I love that. Okay, now... Uh, this is another text here that says, wait a minute, I got one here. Oh, I got before Tina. Uh, this is from uh, Deborah. Uh, I'm getting ready for work, so I don't have time to call. My credit was destroyed several years ago. My credit score is now in the high 500s, low 600s, and I need to get into a better car. How do, I re how do you re recommend I proceed? A lot of people in that boat. A lot of people are in that boat, Deborah. And the thing, first of all, let me say, 
high 500s and low 600s is not as bad credit as you might think. There was a time when that was a difficult uh, beacon score uh, or, or, or FICA score to get approved credit on. It isn't today. You can get you can get conventional financing, and I stress conventional through a bank or a, cap, a lender from a Honda, Toyota, General Motors. You can get you can get reasonable interest rates with a five or six hundred uh, Beacon score. Now you have to be careful that you go to a dealer that understands that. People will try to make you think you have bad credit with a five or six hundred beacon score so they can take advantage of you, charge you higher exorbitant interest rates, even charge you a special rate to get financed, and put you in a car that you don't really want to buy. People with low, with the perceived to be low beacon scores are often taken advantage of. So if you, if you do feel like you have low scores, always try the conventional financing first. Go to your credit union, go to your bank, uh, put your cards on the table, tell them the truth about your credit situation, and you would be surprised how you, how you can get reasonable financing. If you go to a, one of these sharks out there, uh, the uh, buy here, pay here lots, and some of these other people that are advertising for people with bad credit, you'll end up paying 18, 19 percent. Mm. Someone with a five or six hundred beacon, you should be able to get eight or nine percent financing. Now that's a lot of, uh, that's a high interest rate because good credit can be two percent. But don't, don't even consider 14, 15, 16 yeah. percent yeah. if you think you have a bad credit. Maybe you have credit that bad, but you probably don't. Next. Uh, this is from uh, Anne-Marie. Okay, from Anne-Marie. Um, considering how fast computers and software change and become obsolete, I was wondering if you know whether the car companies will continue to support and update the software in their cars um, for the next 15, or 20, or 30 years, for example, will I be able to drive my 2013 Camry as an antique car? Right, and she says that she likes to keep her cars for 10 to 15 years. 10 to 15 years. Uh, I would say yes. I mean, uh, that's a great question, and I'm not going to give you a, a blanket yes. Uh, I do know that car manufacturers are required by law to keep parts available for a car, and I'm going to have to shoot from the hip on this. Uh, Rick says 10 years. I think it's longer than that. But uh, there is a law that requires uh, that manufacturers have current parts available for cars for a period of time. The same thing will apply to software. And that's something that uh, I'll try to get the answer for you that, Anne-Marie. We'll Google it. And uh, I'll be sure about the 10 years that Rick says on parts. And I'll try to get you a number on software. Right. Something like Bluetooth. I mean, that's that's pretty. That hasn't changed a lot in in the last ten years. No, not really. Uh, the the interesting thing about parts is a third a 2013 car. If the part that is needed on that car is still in use for a 2018 car, then that part has to be available all the way through 2028. So that ten years is kind of flexible. It's 10 years from the last time that that part was actually used on a car. Are you talking about all cars or just Toyota? That's all cars. Okay. That, that's the, the government says it has to be 10 years from the last time that that part was used in that car. Oh, so it's longer than 10 years. So. Right. It's, it's a flexible number. But yeah. if uh, all I'm saying is, like, uh, say, if, if your 2013 had a part that was never used again, then the government requires that it's available up through 2023. So if you had a but 2018 car 
and you and you kept that car for uh, 20 years, and uh, the part had been used a week ago, uh, then. So it, yep. theoretically, you, I, I understand. Yeah. So, yeah. I, the reason I was uh, skeptical about the ten years is that I was a Fiat dealer back in the uh, '80s, mm. and uh, Fiat left the country at the time. They came back about ten years or five years ago. So they left the country, and I had Fiats. I sold a lot of Fiats for good reason too. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, my parts department, uh, was told that they would supply parts for longer than than 10 years and i can't remember the exact number so uh, the law probably changed so we'll find yeah. out well i want to thank tina and deborah and Anne marie for their texts and uh for you folks out there who didn't jot that number down if you'd like to give us a call it's 877-960-9960 877-960-9960 and of course the text number is 772-497-6530 and well, I am ready for an autonomous car. Yeah. Sheesh. You know, we've got, we had a little thing we want to do, and we're getting so many calls and texts, we haven't a chance to get to it. We'll try to get to it. Sure. And yeah. uh, we've got, uh, we, we uh, actually, Jonathan came up with this idea, a very cool idea, yeah. is that back in the day, and I'm 77 years old, and I really had some really cool songs I loved when I was a teenager and, and in my 20s, and there were a lot of car songs back in those days. Uh, one of them was Little Deuce Coop. I remember my 409, She Sure Is Fine, and Maybelline, and there's a yep. whole bunch of them. So if you play one of these songs and listen to it, if you're, if you're a 60s and 70s fan, uh, there's a lot of interesting terminology and referral to parts on cars and things that some people remember, some people don't remember. So let's do a little contest out there. Uh, Rick knows all these parts. He's a car guy, and uh, he'll be our expert. But uh, we're going to play this uh, Little Deuce Coupe on the air and listen carefully, and there are going to be certain things. They're going to be talking about uh, things. Uh, there'll be a flathead mill and ported and relieved, and she stroked and bored and lake pipes and, and pink slip and things like that. Right. Keep your ears, uh, uh, listen to that, listen to the song, and then the first uh, people to call in with the answer to these different terms, we'll pay them 50 bucks. Well, d right? uh, you know, I thought this was really appropriate because uh, this is an oldies uh, channel. Oldies of channel, exactly. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, it, when it comes to Little Deuce Coop, it's a song that I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard hundreds of times. Yeah. And the lyrics kind of go through you. You're listening to the melody most of the time. Yeah. And you don't really think about the words. Mm -hmm. But um, Deuce Coop, uh, I believe, refers to a 1932 uh, Chevrolet. Yeah. Uh, no. No? 32 Ford. 32 Ford. Okay, uh -huh. great. Well, yeah, let's play cut one, and this we're going to jump into the song here right in kind of the middle. We're not going to play it from, from the beginning, but this is right where they get into the technical or at least the, the component parts of this uh, little do scoop. So let's play cut one. No? We have that? Okay. Okay, we, we tried, and I'm not going to sing it to you. All right. Mike, the well, terminology we can, we, I'll, is I'll, interesting. I'll, re I'll read it to We've you. We've got the words printed. So. I'll read this to you. And uh, maybe we'll figure out in the control room how to play the song. Okay, here we go. Just a little deuce coupe with a flathead mill, but she'll walk a thunderbird like she's standing still. She's ported and relieved, and she's stroked and bored. She'll do 140 with a top-end floored. She's my little deuce coupe. You don't know what I got. My little deuce coupe. You don't know what I got. She's got a competition clutch with a four on the floor, and she purrs like a a kitten till the lake pipes roar and if that ain't enough to make you flip your lid there's one more thing i got the peak slip daddy how's that 
Love so, it. So I thought, you know. That was like a wrap, wasn't that's it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could uh, <laughs> so, supplement you know, your income. Uh, excuse me, guys. Uh, listeners, give us a call, 772. Uh, well, that's the text number, 772, if you're bashful, uh, 427-6530. And uh, you can call us at 877-960-9960. All right. Well, you know, the uh, that, that term, flathead mill, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot, but I thought, you know, maybe uh, if either a listener knows or uh, if Rick wants to jump in and give his perspective. Well, we'll this. give the listeners a chance. Okay. But, yep. But maybe you want to oh, talk. I, I know these terms well because I, gr- I grew up playing with a lot of old cars. Right. And I was hooked up with a club for a while, so there was a lot of information there. We're going to take uh, we're going to take our next caller. Our lines are lighting, lighting up. Uh, Bob is giving us a call from Lake Park. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Happy St. Patty's Day. Thank you. Same, same to you. Happy St. Patty's Day. I had a uh, follow-up. I called you uh, a week ago Saturday about my experience with your friendly Ford dealer down the street. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Remember that, definitely. My friend was over there, and I was telling you what a horrible experience Macaulay. she had. Oh, uh, yeah. Well. I, after I had my conversation with you uh, 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 two weeks ago, what I did was I went and I put the hood up and I checked the dipstick, and I found that they not only overcharged me for the uh, service, which they call the works, so uh, but they also did not uh, fill the crankcase up all the way. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was it was a little bit more than just not uh, cleaning the battery cable and overinflating the tires and. Overcharging me. They also didn't put uh, the full amount of uh, uh, oil in the in the crankcase. They didn't do anything so right. I don't on day, and I tried to see the service manager, but of course he was on his computer and he says, "Well, I'm going to be 15 or 20 minutes." So I said to him, "Well, what's the name of the general manager?" And uh, he told me. I went over to try to find him. Uh, and uh, he wasn't there. He doesn't come in uh, until like 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Hmm. He only stays around for a couple of hours. This was in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, Scott Nicholas is his name. Scott and Nicholas is a general manager's name is Scott Nicholas? Yeah, not, no relation to Jack. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's also, he's also part of the ownership group. Oh, is that right? Wow, boy. So, so the only only comes in uh, for a couple hours around 1 o'clock. That's interesting. Yeah. However, and so I'll, the service uh, manager, yeah. Susie, Susie, heard I was going over to the uh, to find the GM. He, he, all of a sudden, he got off the computer and came out. Mm-hmm. And, Good for uh, you. I, yeah, and I showed it to him. You know, he, he wanted to see it. He pulled it off. He saw, the, he saw it. He went back there. He took care of it. Uh, and then uh, I said to him, I says, well, how come they didn't put all the, uh, I said, when I checked the dipstick, it was only coming up halfway through the hash mark uh, indicator. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, that's in range. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you, if you knew what that meant, because all the years that I worked on cars. Huh? What do you say, Rick? Uh, well, that's one of those things that they, they like to pull that term out, but. Basically, what that hash mark range means is when your engine is cold, when it's been sitting for about an hour or more, the oil should be at least, in my opinion, it should be at least up in that hash mark range. But if you were driving that car 
for within the last 30, 20 or 30 minutes, that oil should be up near that top line, right at the line. And the only reason that they give you that little range area is because obviously as the oil gets hotter, it's going to expand in size just a little bit. It's going to, it's going to take up a little more space. And as it cools down, it's going to contract a little bit. Same thing with coolant and the radiator. So, you know, those levels are going to change just little bits at a time. But that's why they always say when you check your oil, it should be cooled down and your car should be sitting on a flat surface, perfectly level, so you know you're getting an accurate reading on that oil level. Right. Like I said, I, I've worked on cars my whole life, so I've changed oil before, and uh, I know how. I know the routine, and I, I, you know, every time I've ever changed the oil, the, uh, the oil would always come up in the end, end of the hash mark, yep. and that would be after, after, after running it. So he told me he put he put another half a quart, a little over half a quart, back in there. He says because uh, it was uh, uh, it wasn't full. And then I said to him, well, I got the name of the kid that worked on my car, and I appreciate it if he didn't touch my car anymore when they come in. And he says, well, everybody has a bad day. This was was his uh, was his answer to the whole thing. But it was it was just a just uh, it wasn't just one thing. It was a, it was a, it was a number yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, Bob, well, but, uh, but, uh, thank you so much. You really, you're a value to this show. Uh, you had a problem, and you uh, expressed your problem. You went back to the car dealership, Macaulay Ford, by the way, on North Lake Boulevard. I remember encouraging you to, t to talk to someone up the ladder. Unfortunately, the guy up the ladder doesn't spend too much time in the dealership. So there's a lot of information coming out about Macaulay Ford. Uh the lesson learned really is when you do go up the ladder, it might be aggravation, it might be a lot of trouble, but you're probably going to get your problem resolved, although it's not going to happen as quickly as you hoped it would have been. But uh, that's uh, don't give up uh, when, you, when you have a problem. I'm really uh, unhappy with the way he made the excuse uh, by saying that uh, everybody has a bad day. Uh, that's not a very good thing to say to a customer. It's not very smart to say to a customer. But nevertheless, here's a, here's a car deal that's on our recommended list, McCulley Ford on North Lake Boulevard, North Palm Beach. And they really did a poor job with Bob uh, on his car. Multiple problems, uh, not enough oil. Uh, uh, they they, uh, did, they over, overfilled his tires, overinflated his tires. Uh, what was the other thing, Bob? The oil, the tires, and there was a third thing. They didn't clean the battery cables. They were all corroded. Uh, arguably the worst thing. You didn't, they were all corroded. They didn't clean them and said they checked the battery. So I uh, did a poor job. They've got an employee there that probably uh, either needs to be retrained or, or replaced. And uh, I hope they do that. And uh, I'm not trying to pick on the young man that did it. The starting point for people when they wanted to work as a mechanic in a car dealership, uh, Rick might have even started out that way a long time ago, is when you, you're changing oil, you're rotating and balancing tires, and you're checking tires and things of this nature. So these kids uh, are, are new on the job. They should have, it should be an apprentice position with a trained mechanic overseeing and checking their work. And this must not have been the case in McCulley Ford. But thank you so much for calling in, Bob. And I'm glad you finally got it resolved. Sorry you had to go so much trouble. Yeah, the, the, the problem was having to go back there three or four times to resolve something, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, a, you know, my time is valuable to me. Exactly. And, you know, this, the service manager had lied to me on a previous. The car had originally been uh, brought in uh, for, to replace the uh, driver's side seat cover, mm -hmm. which was under warranty. Mm -hmm. and, and when they put it in there, 
uh, I wanted them to bring it around the block to the kid that specializes in seat covers, but they wanted to do it in-house. Mm-hmm. And they said the guy that does it, he does the ACs. Uh, and so he put it in there, and they gave me a Ford F-150 to drive, which was fi- filthy. But I didn't say anything. I brought it back. I picked the car up, and, and, the, and the seat cover had all these creases in it. And I, when I asked him about it, he, sa- he says, well, it comes folded up in the box. And, uh, <laughs> after, uh, it, he says, after three, you leave it in the car for three weeks, and uh, the heat, well, the creases will come out. Uh-huh. So I said, well, that's great. So now I waited three weeks. Nothing happened. The seat cover still looked like uh, terrible. Yeah. And uh, so I go back, and uh, this time uh, they, they ordered another part, and that's when I asked them to do the uh, the, the, the other the other service because they were going to have the car all day anyway. I told them to do the, the works because they were going to have the car for the seat cover, and, that, and that's how. The, but you know. It's just one thing after the other with these with these people. And the service manager he lied to me because when I when I brought the car back in, he says, "Oh no, it's he says it's the stitching on the seat." I said, "Why didn't you tell me that the first time? I mean, why do you tell me it's creased in the box? I mean, it, it's just ridiculous." Uh, well, Bob, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a suggestion. I, I I'm not going to defend McCully Ford anymore because the more I ask, the worse his service department sounds. Try uh, Lane, Wayne Acres Ford. It's a long drive. They're in Lake Worth. Wayne Acres Ford, I know the owner. His name is Les Acres. He's a friend of mine. He unfortunately lives in Tallahassee. Uh, He has a Toyota dealership up there, but he owns Wayne Acres Ford. Take it down to Wayne Acres for service, and if you have a problem, I'll call Les Acres on his cell phone and uh, tell him about it. He'll call the manager of Wayne Acres Ford, and he'll jump all over him. So we'll get you you good service at Wayne Acres Ford. Forget about McCulley. Yeah, well, you mean Mullinex. Yeah. Uh, Mullinex, well, I'm yeah. sorry. McCulley, I flashed back a time, 40 years. McCulley was a preceder to Mullinex. Yeah, Mullinex Ford, uh, forget about them and take it to Wayne Acres Ford in Lake Worth. Okay. Yeah, that must have been be- well, that must have been before Bev Smith, huh? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, McCulley, yeah, McCulley, Bev Smith. Yeah, Bev Smith was uh, the first, I think, and then, then McCulley followed him and then Mullinex. Right. I've, uh, been, well, I've been around too long. <laughs> okay, okay, Bob. You know it was great talking okay. to you, and uh, stay in touch. Let us know how uh, things went uh, if you went over there to Wayne Acres. That number is eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, or you can text us seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. We have another caller. Charlie's calling from Stewart. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you very much. Uh, I have uh, an answer to the flathead mill ah. and the floor on the floor. Great. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> Love to hear it. A flat. I had a '52 Ford V8 flathead mill, and uh, the, the plugs are all on the top, of, and the valve covers—they're uh, not there. Uh, they're all a bunch of bolts on the top. You could take the spark plugs right off. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, and uh, four. And I actually had a four in the floor that I had somebody put in, but it was uh, four speed on the floor, four shifts. It was great. Is he right, Rick? '52 Ford. He is correct. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, you. you won Charlie. 50, 50 bucks. <laughs> That's great. I can use it. And, Char- Charlie, if you stay on the line, you can, uh, you can, you can give us uh, your contact information, and I'll get that check out to you. All right. That would be great. Thank you very much. Okay, Charlie. Thanks for being part of the show. Yep. Okay. It's a great show. I listen to it every Saturday. Oh, thank you so much. Spread the word. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, Will. All righty. Have so a Rick, great you weekend. you want to explain yeah. what, what the purpose of the flathead mill is? Well, the, the flathead mill, the mill, of course, is just a term meaning the engine. 
but the flathead means that the cylinder heads, the valves, were actually mounted in the engine block itself, not in the cylinder head. So that was where the term came from for flathead. And the four on the floor that's mentioned later in the song is the gear shifter was down on the floor and not up on the column like so many others, and a four-speed on the floor. Hmm. And, of course, that flathead V8 mill was the 32 Ford was the little deuce coupe, one of the first ones to get it, and they were a rocket ship. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. And the lake pipes, yes, uh, the, 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 uh, those were those yep. mellow, uh, roaring we used to love uh, back in the day that made too much noise, like a motorcycle. They were, but the lake pipes were the interesting term for that was the pipes actually ran outside of the car. Ah. Those big chrome exhaust right. pipes ran down both sides of the car. Oh, yeah. That was called the lake pipes mm -hmm. instead of having the exhaust up <coughs> underneath the body of the car. And, uh, when, and when it says ported, relieved, and stroked, and bored. Yeah, those were engine terms. The valves were ported, and the valve, the chambers, the, the valve uh, the openings going to the valves where it would send the air and fuel into the cylinders would be opened up a what little bit. They'd grind them oh, out a ported, little bit. That's what it means. Okay. And yeah. that's ported and relieved. And stroked and bored means this, the stroke, they would actually put a little bit longer crankshaft rod in it, and it would actually increase the stroke of the engine, how far the piston moved, and the bore, they would increase the size of the piston and the size of the opening in the engine, the bore that it ran in. So instead of having the same cubic inch, it would actually be a bigger engine. Yeah, more horsepower. Yeah, these were all custom things they would do on these engines in these shops and make these things turn into just absolute rockets. Okay, I think we've got to get to the mystery shopping report. we only got 20 minutes left. What yeah, do you think? Do I think that's a I great idea. Okay. That mystery shopping report is from Greco Mazda of Delray Beach. Listen closely. Well, Greco is one of our favorite uh, families of dealerships to target, and uh, it isn't personal. I don't dislike the Greco's at all. It's just that based on our numerous mystery shops over the years, the Greco dealerships, and they haven't been down here that many years, I'd say six or seven, uh, but since they've come down, uh, they just have some of the worst shopping reports. Along with the Napleton dealerships, they just seem to strike out. We have no Greco or Napleton dealerships on our recommended dealer list. This week's uh, shop brings us to Greco Mazda in Delray. They used to have a Mazda dealership in North Palm Beach, but they sold that. And uh, we continued our theme, Anatomy of a Car Dealer Advertisement. And uh, this is where we go out and find the too-good-to-be-true ad and see if it is too-good-to-be-true. We came across this commercial that was offering, a TV commercial, that was offering what appeared to be an amazing deal, a new 2018 Mazda 3 or CX-5 for only $139 per month. Hmm. I mean, a new car yeah. for $139 per month. Yeah. The ad begins with an enthusiastic announcer claiming that though Greco's great, uh, through Greco's great upgrade event, you can drive a new Mazda for only $139 a month. The voiceover then specifies the models you can drive at that price, a new 2018 Mazda C3 or a CX-5. The commercial ends with the Greco tagline, we'll save you thousands, we guarantee it. You've probably seen that. That's young Greco that says that. So let's play, uh, and we'll listen to the ad in its entirety. We'll play it for you right now. New Mazda's just $139 a month. 
I think that's the that's the promo offer. We have another one that's uh, the full. It's uh, full. new Mazdas just one thirty nine a month. It's Greco's great upgrade event at Greco Mazda. Upgrade to a new Mazda three or Mazda CX five. Your choice, only one thirty nine a month lease at Greco Mazda. We'll save you thousands. We guarantee it. Now, what you can't see if you're listening at home is the appearance of some microscopic. And I underline mm. microscopic print that appears at the bottom of, of the commercial. This print appears for two seconds. Two seconds, that's right. At the very beginning of the ad, and again, give you another two seconds about halfway through. This, of course, w- w- was the ad's required disclosure, mm-hmm. which makes me angry in two ways, that the mm-hmm. dealers would do this and that the regulators would tolerate it because it's a violation of the Federal Trade Commission Act that any modification of the price or payment has to be an equal emphasis and displayed alongside of the offer itself. So it's a violation of the law, and here we are. Continued. You would need to be a speed reader with supervision to catch and comprehend what it says in real time. After pausing the commercial and zooming in, we can see the disclosure. And this is what we had to do. I mean, it it takes a long time, by the way, to rewind and then try to freeze the frame. And this is what the fine print says, which nobody is. You're the first to know what it says. Nobody else knows what it says. Fine print says plus tax, title, and dealer fee with approved credit. 36-month lease with zero security deposit and 15% off MSRP due at signing. 15% off the full sticker price due at signing. Those are my words. They just say 50% of MSRP. 10,000 miles per year. That's all the mileage you're allowed on this lease. All Mazda rebates and incentives to dealer expires at month end. Now, Mazda, that's a fine print. Now, Mazda 3s have MSRPs that range in the low 20,000s, and CX-5s have MSRPs in the mid to high 20,000s. Since the disclosure states 15% due at signing, this would mean a down payment of $3,000 to $4,500 to get to the advertised payment. Let's play the cut uh, of the $139 per month offer. Upgrade to a new Mazda 3 or Mazda CX-5. Your choice, only $139 a month lease. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? $139 a month, doesn't say anything else. We sent Agent C into the field to see what would happen. Okay, I'll speak in the first person as if I were Agent C. I walked straight to the building intent on finding out their advertisement of $139 per month on a Mazda C3 or CX-5 lease was a real deal. I was greeted by Valentina. That's a pretty name. Valentina, a female salesperson. That's good. Almost immediately. She introduced herself, asked me what brought me to Greco Mazda, and proceeded to lead me to a small greeting table by the front of the door. I let her know what I saw that I had seen their $139 a month advertisement. I was curious about the details. We engaged in small talk for a few minutes, the usual qualifying questions that a salesperson would ask just to become more acquainted with the customer. I let her know that I would be leasing a car before um, the month end, but it would be for my wife. I also didn't have much time and was more concerned about the deal than anything else. My end game at Greco Mazda was to get the numbers. I wanted to see the the specifics, the details of the 2018 Mazda CX-5 for $139 per month. She quickly, Valentina, in, in an apologetic tone, said, zero down was not an option for a special like this. She, th- she then asked, what size down payment 
did I have in mind? I told her that I could afford $4,200 out of pocket. I assumed that this should put me very close to the 15% down payment noted in the disclosure. At this point, she needed to ask the manager for specifics about the advertisements since there were a few different ads in the store that were running. She returned after a few minutes with a paper and some numbers, and they went as follows. $4,200 down for a CX-5, that's the MSRP of $25,125. 36 months, 12,000 miles would be $216 per month. Now, that's not very close to 139 is it? Mm-mm. I must have been missing something. Why couldn't we reach the promise 139 After asking her this question, she let me know that it's all in the fine print. <laughs> no, it's like that's an excuse. It's like that's an excuse. And that she would write it out for me. So she's going to write out the fine print. Oh. In order to get to the advertised payment of 139 I would need, and here we go, $4,433 down payment, $139 first payment, $595 acquisition fee, that's a dealer fee from the lessor. $900 tax payment, $300 tag cost, and then the dealer gets his little bit too. That's a $799 dealer fee. Now you add all that up, you really have a $7,176 down payment. So you got the down payment, and then you got the first payment, which they make part of the down payment, and then you take the 595 acquisition fee, the $900 tax, $300 tag cost, and 799, and you add all that up. So the $139 a month payment is $7,176 down payment. So here we are, <coughs> typical auto dealer TV commercial. The Greco disclosure is practically impossible. Not practically, it is literally impossible to read and of no value to the viewers. And even if this one were able to read it by a miracle, it didn't fully disclose all the money necessary to get the advertised payment. I have a feeling Greco Mazda will remain on our do not buy list. And of course, to you know, solidify that, we don't have to take a vote here. But it, it's troubling to me, as I said earlier, that the regulators allow this to occur. It's a violation of truth. It's a violation of truth and lending, but it's also a violation of Federal Trade Commission clear and conspicuous disclosure. You can have conditions in an advertisement, but they have to be clearly and conspicuously disclosed. Definition of clear and conspicuous, they must disclose in the same font, same type size, text size as the offer. So if you have the payment at $139 in big bold type, then you have to have the $7,176 down payment in clear and conspicuous type alongside of the payment. And it's a violation of Federal Trade Commission rules, our regulators, Pam Bondi, and all yeah, the other exactly. regulators, mm-hmm. yeah. the uh, County Office of Consumer Affairs, yeah. the Better Business Bureau, um, uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, all of these agencies know this is going on, and they allow it. So I hold them equally responsible, the Greco Mazda and all the other car dealers out here that are getting away with this. So we've got uh, a little bit of time here to do a vote. Jonathan, you yeah. got to? Well, you know, Earl, this is about the fourth uh, of these, uh, you know, closer looks at these dealer ads that we've done now. And my hope is that, you know, by raising the awareness of these types of ads with the general public, mm-hmm. we will be invalidating this type of advertising going forward yes. to dealers. Because there's a smaller and smaller subset of dealers 
that are doing this type of advertising. And uh, I think if we can uh, get people to especially see these on YouTube where you can freeze, uh, you know, your screen and zoom in and use those types of, uh, of techniques that will just eventually, you know, make this an obsolete way of, of doing automobile advertising in the future for the industry. Yeah, good, that's that's good a great point. idea. What, and what Jonathan's talking about, this is a way we are able to learn the information. And you can go to mm -hmm. car dealerships' websites mm -hmm. and you can actually view their TV commercials. They're putting them on, the, the, but the nice thing about doing it on your on your smartphone or your PC, you can freeze frame it. Right. You can do a screenshot, you can stop it, then you can blow up the screen and you can see what the right. uh, misleading uh, facts of the ad are, and they all do. If there's fine print, there's something they don't want you to see. Right, right, and 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 fewer and fewer dealers, as I'm noticing this yeah. each week, are are doing this type of tactic. Yeah. So we're having an impact. I think so. I'd like I, to think so. I think we are, yeah. And uh, even the auto manufacturers at one time were guilty of this. And I have noticed that the auto manufacturers' ads on TV are almost all with clear conspicuous. When they do a lease payment, they'll, be, they'll do the down payment in big, bold type so you can see it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the irony about this whole thing with leasing, leasing at one time was a uh, device mainly for businesses to have a low monthly payment, low cash out of pocket, and it was also a good thing for your balance sheet because you don't have a liability if you're a business. You have a lease, you don't have a liability, it makes your balance sheet look better. And a lot of businesses opted for this and they write the lease payment off and uh, that was what leases were all about. And then suddenly the car dealers jumped on the bandwagon and said, you know, Lease payments have are low. They're much lower than the cost of buying when you finance the entire car because you're only paying for a part of the car. If you have a three-year lease and the car's got a life of 10 years, you're only getting 30% of the life of the car. So they took the low payment and they made you believe you could drive the car uh, without any cash out of pocket because that's what leases were all about for the payment. But I can tell you now... If you see any lease ad on the television, there will be a down payment. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a lease advertised anywhere that didn't have a down payment. And usually the down payments are not even, as in this case here with Greco Mazda, they don't even give you the entire down payment. You have the down payment, then you have to come out of pocket for the tax, the dealer fee, the tag, the registration, the administrative fee. And so by the time you add all that up, you've got a double down payment to what is disclosed. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm surprised they, they didn't uh, focus on a stock number, meaning that there was only one car exactly. with that offer, which we did yeah. last week with, yeah. with AutoNation. That's another tactic that they seem to, to exactly. use frequently, and, yeah. and I think people are getting very savvy and aware yeah. of that. Very good point. Very yeah, the, good point. The Florida law, okay. speaking of stock numbers, yeah. is that you have to have an adequate supply of anything, cars, uh, bread, TV sets. Yeah, if you absolutely. advertise a price, you have to have an adequate supply. Yeah. And some, so remember the old rain checks? Give you a rain check. Mm -hmm. You've never seen a car dealer ad with a rain <laughs> check. <coughs> the car dealers do it on purpose, and the way they get away with it, and the regulators allow them to get away with it, they don't say clearly and conspicuously, "We only have one Honda Civic at this price." Now that's legal. What so they do is they put in the fine print. Uh, pound sign, uh, hashtag 1765ABC. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to tell you 
that they only have one available at this price. That happens to be the stock number stamped on the car. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. Most people don't know that. And so when you read the, if you if you do read the fine print, you have no idea. And when you come in, say, I'm sorry, we sold that car. Right. And yeah. I think we should also remind the listeners that um, all of your mystery shopping reports, I think there are 50 of them posted, are up on mysteryshoppingreports.com. Reports yeah. in plural, if they ever want to go in and read the detail behind these uh, great investigative reports. Very yeah. good. Mysteryshoppingreports.com. Yeah, right. reports plural. And, and uh, there are a lot of them uh, at that site. So uh, you that's uh, at your fingertips, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as far as the mystery shopping report from uh, Greco Mazda, of Delray Beach, so much deception, and so unfortunate, you know, uh, whenever you think about the consumer and what they're thinking whenever they walk in, $139, that's your payment. How deceiving um, uh, with everything else. And by the way, that um, microscopic print that you mentioned, boy, it was worth its weight in gold that you repeated that because uh, there's probably no one who understood that fine print. Yeah. We were, Nancy and I were talking in the car coming into the show this morning, and I was thinking about the fact that the legislators and the, and the regulators, and I go on and on about that. I blame the car dealers, and I blame... But, you know, the fact is, we have, and I say we as a consumer, I'm a consumer, uh, we've been lulled into complicity over so many years that we expect the car dealers to behave this way. Yeah, so and many wrongs. Y- you talk to your friends, your neighbors, and it's yeah. a joke. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're the jokes on the late night show. Car dealers, you know, yeah. we're politicians. They make jokes. And so we've had so many bad experiences. Gallup poll comes out every year. Car dealers are the worst. So when you buy a car, it's like having a root canal. You're going to have pain. So you expect, okay, it's time to go out and buy my new car. Yeah. I'm going to have some pain. And you go in there, and they abuse you. They lie to you. And a whole and, lot of pain. And it's been going on for 100 yeah, years. Yeah. So we, 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 we don't file complaints. And that's what we're trying to do with this show is stir you up. File a complaint with the Department of Motor Vehicles. File a complaint with the County Office of Consumer Affairs, the Florida Office of Consumer Affairs, with the Attorney General's Office. Uh, We have a, uh, I I know I'm giving you too many websites, but you have uh, cardealercomplaints.com. You can go there and get the, uh, download the forms for complaints for the Department of Motor Vehicles and the Attorney General's Office and for the County Office of Consumer Affairs. File a complaint. Mm -hmm. It takes time. That's the problem. People don't want to take the time. They, They, you know, Time is too short. Yeah. And, uh, but if yeah. you don't complain, we, the regulators are complicit. The, these car dealers need supervision. And without Rick Scott, uh, without uh, uh, without Pam Bondi, uh, well, what are we going to do? So, uh, Rick, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this uh, report? Uh, Valentina, I'm going to say a C because she did seem apologetic with her tone. But she basically, she knew that what the games they were playing and for the dealership in F, um, just that's it, F. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Um, a good point there with uh, Valentina. Uh, how nice that it was a female uh, car consultant. So uh, how many reports have we had where there was a woman in the report? Do you recall? No. No, I think Not many. Men. I think Not this, many. I, I think that this here is, uh, you, you know, new uh hasn't happened in a long, long time. And we're talking about uh, Greco Mazda 
of Delray Beach, uh, a lot of deception. Sorry, consumers, for the ones who did go in and realized that, uh, the, what did they have to take out of pocket? Uh, almost $8,000, hmm. uh, you know, uh, Anyway, I fail them. And it also seems like a certain class of cars fall into this type of advertising. We yeah. see this from Kias, from Hyundais, yeah. from Mazas. You would never dream of seeing this type of an advertisement for a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW. Mm-hmm. I think that would almost be insulting to that class of buyer. Mm-hmm. And, Good point. And uh, this particular uh, uh, category of cars seems to be, and the dealers who uh, are you know representative of these brands seem yes. to fall into this tra- uh, into this role of, of feeling that this is uh, you know impactful to their market, whereas others, you would never dream of seeing that. Yeah, th- this is true. This is uh, this falls under some uh, politically uh, correct uh, uh, commentary. I have to be careful, but uh, the car dealers, I call, I call the people that are really taken advantage of continuously victims. And and victims uh, part, partly are the ones that are, well, let's say I have a problem. We have a lot of people in from other countries. We have uh, uh, people that uh, whose English is not their first language, put yourself in the shoes of someone. You're in Latin America. You're in Europe. You're going to a, buy a car in a Volkswagen in, a, in Heidelberg. You don't speak German. Uh, put yourself in someone that's from uh, Latin America, and maybe they've only been here for a few years. Uh, they can't read uh, uh, English that well. They can't speak English that well. This is a victim class, I call it. Yeah. Another victim class we see yeah. are the and Nancy alluded to this earlier, widows. I mean, uh, uh, from a a longevity uh, statistical standpoint, women outlive their husbands. And oftentimes uh, women that are in their 70s or 80s are buying their first car because their husband passed away. And the way things were conducted back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, the men bought the cars and the the ladies were the housekeepers. So you have elderly widows that are also taken uh, advantage of. And then you have the young people. You have the people that have never bought a car before. So the very young, the very old, uh, the English language impaired. And let's get to education. We talked about luxury car. A lot of luxury car buyers are college educated. Uh, They're sophisticated. They're doctors. They're lawyers. they're sophisticated, educated people. And a lot of people that buy Kias aren't quite so sophisticated or educated. Yeah. And so they're victimized. <laughs> so you're, you're right. If you're if you're buying a Mercedes, you're probably going to be okay. If you're buying a BMW or Cadillac, you're probably going to be okay. If you're buying a Kia or even a <coughs> Mazda, or for that matter, any lower-priced car, watch out. Rick? I've just got one other thing I would like to bring up uh, from the news. Yesterday, a... An accident occurred down in Delray Beach where a lady lost control of her car, smashed into the front of a Publix, and an innocent pedestrian was killed. I saw the headline. And there's a a possible idea that the the driver may have suffered a medical emergency, which contributed to that. Mm -hmm. And if we had autonomous cars right now, two people would still be alive because the driver of that car... The car would have been able to detect that issue and take her to a hospital, possibly saving her, and that innocent pedestrian would have gone home. Yeah. Good yep. point. Thank you. Rick. Another yep. another call out mm-hmm. to Rick Scott and everybody else. Yep. Pam Bondi. We yep. need autonomous cars yep. now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on board with that, Rick. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us this Saturday morning, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, from Nancy Stewart and uh, everyone here. Thank you. We'll see you next week.